Chapter 20 The Six Moon Journey To balance the scales of justice, you're going to need to weigh out the weight. The point is not one side versus the other, but rather it's a balancing act that requires each measurement to be exact, perfect, and straight. If one side is lacking, then weight on the other side must be added or taken off. Weight is like karma, and that intuition named Ma needed my help, so I decided to do whatever was demanded. It didn't matter the act. It didn't matter how or why, because this wasn't my choice. Sure, I was breathing and speaking, but let's both remember how this isn't my voice. Ah, so, now who am I, and what is it that I could be? I'm not who you think I am, and I know that with certainty. I'm running on auto, like an automatic generator. Now that I've aged into my thirties, I'm approaching a peak of performance, and this entire form is like a vehicle around a complex motor. The body runs on fuel. Now what will we feed it? It needs to be recharged with sleep, otherwise we won't make it. Sunlight makes us thrive, and no matter what we try, every vehicle has an end-of-life cycle. And even the most hardy train, plane, or automobile must die. I too will go, because I know this isn't my life. I'm just automatic energy that is an experiment between two sides called dark and light. Ah, so, I take a deep breath, and there my shoulders relax and let go. Then I take a moment to release my clenched jaw. I may not be who you think I am, but I am one for all. You may call me by a name, but that name isn't who I am. Why, I'm living to die, so certainly this wasn't my plan. If it were really up to you and me, then none of us would die. Why, all the crime in the world would cease, because all of us know that peace is what makes us thrive. But peace isn't present, then something has gone awry in the here and now. It's as if the perfection of this world was buried, and the truth was disallowed. Oh, how truth cannot be claimed, it simply is. And death reminds every man and woman that life alone decides how long we will live. If you were in charge of it all, then surely you'd have it figured out. Of course, the ego will convince you that you know the answers, since you alone have it all figured out. Judging every moment, accepting and rejecting what is right from wrong. But who is the judge? Who decides who will perish and who still belongs? And which revolution is this? Is it a color, creed, or belief? Tell me who's against who, so my mind can look ahead to manage this grief. Oh, the ego wants control. It always wants to know. And so that's why I take a deep breath in and remind myself. Ah, so. So what if I make it? So what if I die? Ah, so. It's not up to me. But still, I've got to give this thing called life an honest try. You see, I'm like an antenna, sending out signals and signs. But if you truly knew what I was thinking, then you'd feel how often I'm panicking as if my senses have gone blind. That's when I use methods like breathing, yoga, meditation, 
and sometimes a toke of smoke. We're always navigating tremendous energy, and now I realize the spiritual center tries so hard to wake us up with a little jolt. See, I need reminders, otherwise I forget how it is. Then I get sucked into the material machine that consumes the world unconsciously, and if I can wake up in the moment, then I can redefine how I live. That's when my antenna really turns on. The body I'm driving goes from automatic to awake. It's not that I'm better or worse than any other being, but the gears in my mental, emotional, and inner layers change states. Rather than just receive information from the outer world, I remember how I emit certain energies and frequencies too. As this is a sort of invisible electricity, this heightened awareness is a great breakthrough. Meditation is the training to remind us to come back to reality as it truly is. Yoga is the practice to find union with the spiritual soul. When we optimize the body, mind, emotions, and spirit, we realize our innate self, which is the Atman, or a spiritual source, that is fully whole. Nothing missing here, and so this means we're all complete. You are a spiritual being, and this means your spirit soul will not ever die, be killed, or succumb to defeat. Now what about this sea? It's still something quite mysterious to me. Abundant with energy and waves? And it seems to descend so low that I could never understand how far it goes deep. In the land, the forest and mountains reveal who I am, but the sea seems to be connected to my feelings. That's when I reached into the medicine man's pouch and found a golden chalice when I realized this sea was connected to healing. But this chalice, now how did this cup get in here? What sort of magic was within this medicine bag? And how on earth did this cup arrive right here? I suppose it was not for me to decide, since this was not about me. But still, I was awfully curious about these waters, and so I admit that I lowered myself in reverence and bowed to the sea. Now why was I bowing? And to whom was I bowing to? I couldn't quite explain it, but I felt the force of life within the entire ocean, and so I called her Blue. Blue was mysterious, because she never said a word, but I heard her waves crashing each and every night. Then I'd meditate with the moon when the waters would surge. Why, something magnificent happened, and there the tide would rise and lower every night. Magic before my eyes. Now this was a miracle of life. Something so simple, but I almost missed it with my eyes. And you'll never believe what I saw when the sun went down. There were millions of stars illuminated in the sky. Oh, I cried and I cried and I cried as tears ran out. But these were not tears of sorrow or pain. The healing was so deep that the sky started to rain. Could the universe reciprocate a shaman? And is that why a shaman lives in synchronicity to nature? The ocean blue never said one word, but still I continued to bow to observe her. I knew I had been asleep, and now I realized that the world was not quite awake. I often felt immense sorrow through each day, because I didn't know what I could do to help our fate. Like a sloth or slug, some days I could barely move, but if only I could make it to the coastline every day, 
then I would bow to the ocean blue. That was my goal when I lived on the Oak Island. That's when I got lost on folly. Why the coast of these lowlands was so mysterious, I began to treat my inner voice as if every sentence was a personal statement on an oceanic diary. If the ocean is so vast, then how many millions of years had the waves been glistening? And since I'm so small and little compared to her, I began to wonder if the entire universe was listening. What if my thoughts were a broadcast? What if this human body sent a message like an antenna through space? Then I'd need to sit down in silence and stillness to observe my thoughts face to face. First I realized my thoughts were like a monkey as my mind wandered to and fro. Often I couldn't control, stop, or reroute my thinking, and all I could do was watch and let go. Then I remembered my breath, and so I'd catch a daydream or ramble and label it as thinking. I'd come back to the ocean blue, and each breath in was a nourishing sip from a great chalice my spiritual self was drinking. This monkey mind was wild, and I would think of things I never wanted to say. Obsessive, obscene, wild, and irrational. If anyone out there can hear what's in my mind, then know it is not what I intend to say. And so I realized that the longer I sat, the more I could observe and face myself. Often this contemplation was a great measure to look inward and search for the authentic self. Even when I'd panic, I just sat. And I remember one day, I sat for so long on the beach, I observed an entire panic attack. I thought I might die that day, because it felt like my lungs collapsed as if I had a heart attack. The sitting was not necessarily easy, but it was quite simple. Sit and observe, and that is the principle. Then one day I thought I saw something, like an invisible blue light at night. At first I was terrified for this unusual occurrence was quite the fright. Was this just a dream? But then I must have been walking in my sleep. Wait, I'm awake. And so I moved closer when I saw a bird asleep on a wooden heap, bowing to the bird. Had I disturbed it from its slumber? Well, certainly this mistake was connected to who I was. Of course, it was I who had stumbled into this particular blunder. Then the next day seemed surreal nothing quite out of the norm, but I felt a bit more connected to the great blue sea, and I began to question who I was that was living within this human form. Walking barefoot in the sand, I greeted the sea as her water touched my toes. What was all this reality around me? Well, surely there had to be something I needed to know. Contemplating in silence, I felt the upcoming change in the routine of my usual day. Today I felt called for a ritual, and so I was very precise and intentional with my words, just in the chance this great blue ocean could hear what my thoughts had to say. Pray. You can always pray, she said. Oh, now I heard her voice, for that was her thought that ran through my head. It might have even sounded like me, but I know that praying is what she said. There I kindled the fire and so I offered up much praise while I inhaled the sacred smoke, for I became one with her every time I took a toke. <sighs> oh, herbs, you are like our mothers. You are to be found in a hundred different places. 
you have a thousand saplings. Many are the acts that you are capable of performing. May you cure us of all ailments, O herbs. May you thrive and may you have flowers. May you look upon the sick patients with favor. The diseases are like enemies. May you invade them like horses attacking foes. You free us from illness. You deliver us from disease. O herbs, you are the possessors of divine qualities. You are like mothers in the way that you take care of us. That is what I feel about you. O physician, I grant you all that I have for the sake of these herbs. O herbs, it is certain that you grow on trees. You are praised by mankind, and you are the ones who nourish the animals, like kings coming together to do battle. Various herbs come together and mingle. The physician is a learned person. He and she is well versed in the treatment of diseases and ailments. So many herbs heal the body. O oh, herbs, your mother is named Relief. You cure ailments and banish all disease. May you quickly fall down, presumably from the trees. May he and she who is patient be quickly cured. Like a thief invading a cowshed, the herbs invade all sorts of disease. Herbs banish all the ailments that cause trouble to the body. I grasp with my hands herbs that are the source of strength. Like animals clearing before a hunter, the symptoms of disease run away. O oh, herbs, the disease has entered the limbs and bones of the patient. May the herbs enter the body and purge all disease. O oh, disease, fly away like a bird. Run away quickly. May you have the speed of the wind. O oh, herbs, the juice of the one herb is mixed with that of the second. The juice of the soma herb is mixed with that of the third. May all the herbs of the world be united in listening to my prayers. May we be protected. These are herbs that have fruit, and there are those that do not. There are herbs that have flowers, and there are those that do not. All these herbs were created by the Lord of sacred speech and master of sacred charms, wisdom, hymns, rites, and rituals. May all herbs free us from illness. May herbs unite us with all cures. May herbs protect me from the weapons of Varuna, Yama, and the other deities. May herbs make me free. The herbs descend from heaven. If the herbs look upon a person with favor, he never suffers from ill health. Soma is the king of herbs. Soma is blessed with many qualities. O Soma, you are the best of the herbs. May you fulfill our desires, and may you bring happiness into our lives. The herbs are to be found on earth, and Soma is their chief. You are the creator of the herbs, so that they may cure patients. O herbs, the one who digs you out of the ground, may he not be destroyed. I dig you out from the ground for the sake of the patient. May the patient not be destroyed. May all two-legged and four-legged creatures be free from disease. May our mothers, our fathers, our brothers, our sisters, our friends, our neighbors, and our animals all be free from disease. The herbs which are far away will listen to these prayers. The herbs which are near will also listen to these prayers. All the herbs will combine to make the diseased body healthy again. The physician uses the herbs for treatment. Soma is the king of herbs. The other herbs proposed to Soma 
that the patient may be cured. May the danger of disease be removed. O herbs, you are the best of all the cures. You are superior to all other trees. There are those who wish to destroy us. May such foes become our servants. This was not just a prayer, but my life became a great ritual. There it seemed like six full moons came and went on the ocean shore when this ritual turned habitual. I found a plank of wood, nothing special about it, and there I would stand on my tiptoes and put my hands together in prayer while I would try to maintain my balance upon it. I didn't know what I was doing, for this was not me. I was in awe of the magic of the universe, and I prayed to the woman deep within the great blue sea, Mother Mary. Oh, she was it, and she was free. Goddess of the ocean, to you I surrender my great destiny. Take everything from me. I want to give it all back to you. You are ever-flowing, abundant, and the source of life. You are eternal and blue. Oh, blue, now what would I do without you? True forever, through and through. No matter what we've done, no matter how the world betrays you, goddess of the ocean, I bow to blue. Now this ritual began to take shape, and during the first moon, I began to feel my memory fade. But I knew this wasn't my memory, because I was just in between the next place my soul would be staying. Well, I can't even say I realized it then, but I've certainly digested it now. I flowed through yogic postures I never knew, in ways I could barely describe how. Day after day, my body began to transform, and so I'd swim in the shallows of the ocean like a sea serpent, and it didn't matter if the weather was cloudy, sunny, starlight, or storms. The first moon was quite interesting, because signs and symbols appeared often. These were things so incredible in the moment, but soon I realized I couldn't help but forget them. It was as if I'd get a test first, then only after I'd be given the lesson, as if every moment was a teaching and this entire shoreline was like a schoolroom session. As I swam in the water, I didn't dare go too deep, for a sea serpent such as me always wanted to touch the bottom with my feet. My skin absorbed the sunlight, and the waves regenerated my soul. Oh yes, the ocean can heal you, but you need to get in the water and embrace the ocean's whole. When I noticed my memory wasn't consistent, my emotional energy was also far from stable. It seemed I could be in heaven one moment, then hell the next, but each experience showed me a pattern, symbol, or lesson, as if this was an ever-changing game of cat's cradle. Just when I settled into my nature, something else would throw me off and change. The pattern would shift, and my entire reality would be rearranged. To cope with the complexity, I found that my entire being would favor a toke of smoke. It could propel me deeper into fear or bliss, but I also realized the power of humor, as if everything was a laughable joke. The uplifted energy wouldn't last forever, but it opened my mind to many hidden possibilities and this curiosity was able to pull me through the most difficult nights, days, and never-ending endeavors. Surely I appeared as a man on the beach, but there was a great puzzle and maze within my brain. Some days I felt really powerful in my yogic postures and balance, while other dawns I felt deranged and insane. 
but it did not quite matter, because this was not about me. And then I'd remember to bow and humble myself before the great blue sea, for she was free, and I was trapped, lost in a worldly maze, and sometimes I heard her whisper clues as to where I could find the right map. And so I assumed my position. There I raised myself up upon my toes. I brought my hands together in prayer, and then I balanced the same way a lotus must grow. With my muscles burning, my brain began to fire away, and so I focused on the breath where my awareness would stay. I remembered what she told me, and so I balanced the best I could, and there I continued to pray. Now upon one special day, Oh, I remember it so well. I've kept it a secret up till now, but I feel as if it's the right time to tell. There were no words of hers, but everyone knows when the intuition is about to speak. It felt as if something pulled me somewhere, as if there was something she was trying to teach. With my head on a swivel, I looked up to the birds. Was there a message they were trying to communicate? Oh, birds, what is it that must be heard? Now the birds flew over the brush beyond the sand, and there I saw a little hill. This was over by the lighthouse, when I obeyed my intuition's will. Often this is just a hunch, and so I thought, why not? I walked only a few steps to the peak over the sand dunes, but it was not what I thought. There was nothing there, just a gentle sea breeze. Yes, it was the wind, and surely this was a little tease. I waited for a moment, but what had pulled me to the place where the sand met the dirt? Then I heard her speak. One little step won't hurt, she said. Oh, that was blue, and I heard her loud and clear. I took one little step forward, and then I jumped back in pain when my voice cried out to yell, Ouch! Ah! Why, I'd stepped on a little thorn, something like a spike of a cactus's root. Blood dripped when I saw the thorn pierce the big toe upon my right foot. It wasn't a big cut, something I'd likely soon forget, and so I walked to the water to rinse it when a cloud of fog and mist covered the entire shoreline when it seemed as if even the sun had set. Such a heavy blanket of white mist all around, and I could barely see the shore up ahead. My blood mixed with the ocean, and I couldn't understand if this fog could be connected to the words Blue had said. I washed my foot in the ocean. There I said another prayer, as if this was an offering back to her. That might have been around the second moon, and that's when my memories and reality really started to blur. All I remember is something like screenshots, but it's better if I explain in books. For there were things happening, as if I was a little fish, and now I'd been hooked. Wherever I went, there were synchronicities I could not escape. There I began to consider that someone or something was out there and they were listening to my mind or even controlling my fate. I knew it was getting strange. When I found a white bowl, I filled it with water and listened inward to my soul. I reached in the pouch of the black poncho, for this was the medicine bag. My fingers felt something, and so there was a golden book my fingers snagged. How had it gotten here? Its cover was a golden material with an eight-pointed star. The lines were ever-connected and never-ending, and my finger traced this line that went infinitely far. There I read the title on the side of the book, 
because I knew something very powerful was within. The title held two words, sorcery and jinn. I opened the book to whatever page the wind wanted, and there it opened to page 28. I began to read that if anyone wants to perform this mandala by themselves, they'd need a white dish. It was so surreal to have gathered the bowl before I found the book, and that's when I knew I was on to something great. Now the ritual said I would speak to and once noted, I saw something like black smoke rise before my eyes. As if something covered my distant vision for a moment, I swear I saw a certain grayish smoke rise. This ritual was about such and such theft, and I asked him about the stolen goods and the location of such and such treasure. I inquired if the buried goods were present or not, and the whereabouts of the works of this magic. I did not know where I was going, because this was a place I had not yet been. But something about this alignment and synchronicity made me curious as to what could be waiting at the end. Would you believe that? I did all of this out of pure curiosity. Believe me when I say I felt dead inside, because to the average person this would be classified as madness and insanity. With the world far behind me, and the ocean before my eyes, I continued forward because I realized I was somewhere in between, and even though it felt as if I had already died, every time I awoke I felt like I arrived. Yes, the boy I used to be was dead and gone, and now there was emptiness within. I was on the way somewhere, but I wasn't sure if this was the beginning, middle, or the end. And since I was asking about a theft, a genie appeared in the shape of the thief. Walking before me, it led me to the location of the goods, and I wasn't sure if these were goods I was meant to keep. But since I asked the genie about the buried goods, it presented the guardian of the treasure trove to me. Now the guardian addressed me while I faced forward to the sea, and so I asked him, O oh guardian, what are your conditions if I want to take this treasure and these buried goods? The guardian stated the conditions, and once I accepted them, he rose from the place of the treasure. Since this was about works of magic, a servant came forward to lead me ahead. Now he showed me to the place of the buried magic. I recited the conjuration because Allah knows best, and so I will tell you exactly what I said. In the name of Allah, the most beneficent, the most merciful, I conjure you, O spiritual beings and luminous bodies of pure fairness. They are the angel, the angel, and the angel, and the angel, and the angel, and the angel, be commissioned, O ye angels, by the right of what he has said unto heaven and unto the earth. Come all of you, willingly or loth. They said, We come, obedient. Be commissioned, O servants of these names. Come, O servants, to my abode and inform me of what I am asking you, and lo, that verily is a tremendous oath, if ye but knew. After I wrote the seal in the dish from which I had found in the book, there might be things others wish to be said, as many could judge or condemn the treasure I took. 
All that can be said is the fortune was not wealth or fame. It had nothing to do with me individually or my own name. The treasure was a fortune. It was a boon dedicated so that all beings could grow. That treasure is coming forth, and it is something that all will know. After the second moon, my memory gave way. All I seemed to care about was getting to the ocean, swimming with the sea serpents, and watching the rising sun of each day. I'd balance and train the mind. Often I was lost in mad delusions, overwhelmed, experiencing layers of death, somewhere between deaf, dumb, and blind. Now the yogic postures became automatic, and so it seemed as if there was something training me. Why, I was a servant to the experience, but all that mattered was that I was ever close to the great blue sea. Maybe it was the third moon, or maybe this was the fourth. But soon I began to see that this painful suffering prepared me for a great rebirth. Day after day, night by night, I'd tope that smoke and dissolve into contemplation where I'd find tremendous wisdom and insight. I didn't know who had said it or where it was coming from, and I couldn't remember or claim any of it, but rather I observed it in passing as if this in-between state left my spiritual center in repair or numb. I was most definitely dying. Every day I would empty myself into the bottom of each breath. Some days I'd smoke under the burning sun and welcome the onset of each death. Something was passing away, but it had not quite come time for the new. As far as I was concerned, I didn't know who I was, but at least the experience always grew. By the fifth and sixth moon, I began to feel oddly powerful, but yet I felt as if I had no soul. I was completely on fire inside, and somehow this burning hell burned me into the ash left over from charcoal. There I would dissolve, and something else would give way. I began to wonder if this was a great weight I was releasing, or maybe this was punishment I had to pay. If anyone saw me on the beach, they'd see me there in black. But I reflected a blue energy like a crystal clear mirror. I could see without bias, and so this Vajra energy was always reflected back crystal clear. When people manifest the wisdom aspect of Vajra, they are clear-minded with an intellectual brilliance, sharpness, and precision. They maintain a perspective full of integrity and insight. Now I cannot say I was clear or brilliant, but rather that's what I saw within the great blue sea. For who am I? This body is not me. Rather I was the ocean sea serpent, always swimming about. As patient as I could be to the unfolding plan, and whenever I entered the water, it felt like home, and so I did not want to get out. More and more, I became intertwined with the ocean, and I knew she was listening to me. I would pray, bow, breathe, meditate, contemplate, and complete my yogic postures, when upon the sixth moon, I heard specific words that she had come to say. It's come back for you, she said. Blue, was that you? Of course it was her, and of course I was nearing completion. Now only after I finished the six moon ritual did I come across the real lesson. I reached into the black pouch, and that medicine bag went oh so deep. There I found another book waiting, which I had come to keep. This was the sacred magic of Abermelon the Mage. 
and there he outlined the six-month process. Why, this was the one I just finished, and it seemed I'd lost my mind in the process. But I was not the mind, and so I sat deep within as a witness to it all. Even though my life was in complete chaos to society, I had gone so deep within that I had found the ocean's call. This book explained about the first two months, and the bedchamber and the oratory. It explained the principal business, and everything was written as a past expression of my six-month journey. Holy books and all, the medicine bag provided everything I would need. Selfish and ego-driven individuals beware. The ritual will destroy you if your intention is based from self-centeredness or greed. As the book went into the next set of moons, it focused on prolonging prayer with devotion, affection, and submission, humbly asking God to command the holy angels in the true way's wisdom, knowledge, and direction. By uniting with the moons, sacred writing will arise more and more, and so I too had collected all of this and compiled it into stories, unaware of what it all could be meant for. The whole process was based around solitude, up until the six moons destined that the operation be fulfilled. Meanwhile, I had no understanding of any of this as it was happening, but there was a certain determination that was instilled. Somewhere between the third and sixth moon, I remember asking the ocean the most sincere question when I felt my soul utterly disparaged. There was no response with words, but there I felt the intuition speak of a sacred marriage, reaching into the medicine man's bag. I found a tarot deck of Native American cards. Then I created a fire before I began to inhale the scent of the mysterious burning herbs. In deep contemplation, I wondered about the feeling where I had just been, and then I asked the deck, what lives within? There I saw her on the top card, but she was not blue the way the ocean was made. This was a matriarch. She was the matriarch of blades. Once upon a time, I went to that place where no one likes to go, inward all the way, and there I found a feathered serpent with wings, many heads, all wearing crowns as she came out of the sea the same way the ocean flows. Seated in the silence, I spoke to the feathered serpent and said, Ah, so. She came forward to greet me, and there she drew a number in the sand. The number was 666, for this was the number of a great, brave, and courageous man. Looking toward that feathered serpent, she transformed into a dark woman with ten heads and ten crowns. She was the beholder of truth through this rite of passage in the holy city, but she might have appeared to be a beast if anyone else had come around.